uh, those songs as we, we pray. And uh, many of you have had hands laid on you while those songs are being played. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so it's good to uh, have it uh, uh, firsthand here tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you ready for the Word of God here tonight? Folks, we're going to just, uh, before we get into the Word, we're going to talk about some uh, exciting changes here uh, at the church. Uh, it's just a joy to uh, be able to get to announce this here tonight. Uh, uh, over the last, oh, I would say year, uh, uh, my wife and I, uh, me personally, the church uh, senior leadership and so on, uh, have been in prayer about some things that were uh, prophesied to me personally uh, regarding uh, uh, different uh, uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Em- employees here at the church and, and folks that would come in, that the Lord would call to come in and assist uh, what this uh, uh, church is called to do and what this church is doing. Amen. And, and just recently, uh, something you know, quite miraculously uh, has happened where we will be welcome- welcoming a full-time paid worship director uh, to the church. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Starting here in just a few weeks. And uh, let me uh, tell you who that individual is. Uh, We're going to be welcoming uh, Mr. Tony L. Jones and his wife, Vanessa, to Family Church uh, starting on May 7th. Now, let me me, uh, uh, explain to you. A lot of you know Tony Jones Jr., okay? And he's been here. He's played on the... Uh, the uh, B3 organ, and he plays the, uh, the the keyboard and so on. He was part of our Good Friday service down there at the Regline. You remember Brother Tony that was uh, playing on the keyboard and, and, and assisting with Brother Philip and, and so on. His dad is part of uh, a worship team uh, at a church uh, down in Canton, Ohio, named Faith Family Church. Uh, now, this church uh, is a church of about 4,000 people. And he has been directing uh, worship and directing their choir down there uh, for, for several years. And um, uh, we are going to be very blessed uh, to be welcoming uh, Mr. Uh, Tony Jones and his wife, Vanessa, uh, to the church here in just a few weeks. Uh, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Where he is going to be uh, uh, taking over uh, uh, all the uh, musical operations here. Um, he, of course, will be leading on, on keyboard and, and so on. And uh, uh, he just has that experience, has that anointing uh, uh, to take us to, to another level. Things have been good. Amen. Things have been good. But this is something that's a season that God is calling our church into. Now, let me just uh, uh, clarify some things that Tony, Brother Tony and his wife, uh, they're not coming to be superstars. You know what I mean? They're not coming to be uh, prima donnas or, or anything like that. They are submissive servants of the Lord. They are greatly led of the Spirit of God. I mean, when God calls you out of a ministry like that, and, and, and uh, Brother Tony was telling me that you know things are just at the height of that ministry down in Canton, Ohio, and just naturally speaking, you know there wouldn't be a, 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 just a natural pull to come out of a ministry like that into a church that's a tenth the size and you know, uh, you know we, we just built a new building and it's 18,000 square feet. Glory to God. They just built a new building down there. It's 300,000 square feet. <laughs> so just naturally speaking, you know, uh, uh, how many of you are glad we're not led by natural things? Amen. We're led by what God is saying. And, and uh, um, 
uh, you know, uh, just a long story short, uh, when, when Brother Tony uh, Jr. was here for our Good Friday service, you know, I've been uh, telling him that uh, that's something that this church has been believing for for a while, about a, a paid worship director and things like that. And, and um, I just jokingly looked in the back seat and said, so what's your dad doing these days? <laughs> Knowing that he was part of a large ministry and uh, that he most likely is very settled down there and things. And I said that jokingly, tongue-in-cheek. I would never, ever, ever try to pry somebody away from a ministry. You know, uh, we're not sheep robbers or anything like that. I said it tongue-in-cheek. And uh, uh, Tony Jr. just happened to say to me, he said, well, actually, my dad is, is sensing a transition and so on. And I said, oh, he is, is he? <laughs> <laughs> and still, even at that point, it was completely tongue-in-cheek. It was completely tongue-in-cheek. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, things started opening up. They talked to their pastors, and their pastors gave them the blessing uh, to, to seek uh, elsewhere. So everything was done above board and with a high standard. And the wonderful news is that Brother Tony and Miss Vanessa, they will uh, be here with us uh, starting their first Sunday. will be Mother's Day, May 13th. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. <laughs> and, uh, of course... Uh, they, were, they will uh, start uh, uh, being up here in this area starting uh, Monday, May 7th, uh, that Wednesday. Of course, we have the Brother uh, Chris D'Amico meetings that Monday and that, that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, the 6th, 7th, and 8th. Uh, that Wednesday, the 9th, uh, they're going to be here in service with us that Wednesday. And then uh, uh, they're going to be assisting with the music for, for Mother's Day. Now, I have to be very clear that as of right now, it's, uh, a, it's a longer-term agreement, but it's, it's still under the, the impression that they're coming here to help raise up leaders, to, to raise up things. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be with us forever, okay? Now, if they wanted to be here forever, we would allow them to be here forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, exciting things on the horizon. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, praise the Lord. You know, it's your faithfulness. As I look at the, the, this core group, our Wednesday night, our core uh, faithful group, as, as you stay faithful, as you've contended for the things of God, amen. I mean, when, when God starts calling uh, people to come in and, and to assist, it's because he knows that there's a faithful group of people here that will flow in those anointings and those gifts. Hallelujah. Amen. So we have some very special things uh, coming up here in just a few weeks. In the meantime, uh, of course, uh, we're, we're, we're going to have uh, some additions here uh, to our worship platform. There's going to be a keyboard that the church is going to need. Uh, and of course, we don't buy, you know, junky equipment or anything like that. Uh, if you have it on your heart that you'd like to give towards uh, some of the new uh, music equipment that we're going to need. We certainly would appreciate that. Also, uh, uh, Brother Tony and Miss Vanessa are going to be looking uh, for a place to rent initially, starting off. If you or someone you know has an excellent, excellent rental, uh, uh, we certainly would be all ears. We're, we're looking uh, for a nice place to put the... <laughs> Pastor Joel, any other takers here? <laughs> but if you know of anybody that has... Uh, 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 some excellent rentals. We are going to put them in a good place. These are our folks that are, are, are a mother and a father in the faith. Amen. They have been ministering to the people of God for years with excellence, with dignity, amen, with class and with honor. And we want to bestow honor upon uh, the people of God and take care of them. So we're not going to be you know, putting them up in, in, in somewhere cheap or whatever. We're going to put them up in somewhere 
excellent as they help assist in the move of God here at Family Church. Of course, Brother Tony and Miss Vanessa are so submissive. They're coming in under the pastoral leadership of this church. Hallelujah. And folks, I know I don't have to say this, especially to this group. You are so warm and welcoming. Let's just make sure we receive them as family. Amen? Hallelujah. And, and again, you guys are just the, the cream of the crop. And uh, it's just such a blessing uh, to pastor this church and to watch what God is doing. Folks, uh, these are things that are, are, are going to greatly add uh, to our church. So are you ready for a new level of growth? Are you ready for a new phase of ministry? Amen. Are you ready for a whole nother level? Hallelujah. Do you have your Bibles here tonight? Amen. Folks, if we're going to go to a new level here at this church, well, we're going to need to know how to hear the voice of God. Amen. If you've ever wondered why some Christians are out there doing some of the things they're doing, it's because they're not hearing the voice of God correctly. If you wonder how there's people that they come for a little while and, and they shout the shout and shout the praise and then all of a sudden they just disappear, stop serving God and, and things uh, like that, people falling off the radar uh, in their service to God. You know, it all boils down to are they hearing the voice of God? You know, when, when, when Christians out there, they got one foot in the world, one foot in the church. You know, they're half-hearted towards God. You know, many times the reason why they're half-hearted is because they are not hearing the explosive voice of God on the inside of their spirit. Because I tell you what, when you desire spiritual things, when you're more concerned about spiritual things than natural things, I'll tell you what, it won't permit you to act that way, right? Amen. So tonight we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God. And we might be going over some things that seem simple, that seem like you have heard them a hundred times. Well, it's time to hear them again. Amen? Because there seems to be, you know, there, there's, there, there is something, there is a, uh, an attack of distraction. We've been talking about that. There's an attack of distraction in the body of Christ where people are getting pulled away from their callings, pulled away from their races, pulled away from serving God. And I'll tell you why. Uh, they, they, they have lost track uh, of hearing the voice of God in their spirit. They've lost direction. And if we lose direction, you know, I'll tell you what, I don't want to just go out there and, 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 and just try to find my place randomly in this world. I want to run my race, my call. God's got specific plans and purposes. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are created in Christ, right? We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that he is prepared in advance or preordained for us to walk in them. So he has planned specific things for us to do. And if we're going to do those specific things to our individual lives, we're going to need to know how to hear his voice. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, let's get into the word. Why don't we uh, start over here? Why don't we go to the book of Matthew, chapter 3? You can wait there just a, just a moment. We're going to get there in a, in a minute. Tonight we're going to call, hear, call this message, Hearing the Voice of God, What to Do and What Not to Do. <laughs> Amen. We're going to talk about the different intensities of God's voice, what you're to do and how you, God expects you to respond, and so on. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Matthew, chapter 3. And we're just going to start with the basics. First of all, there's three main channels in which God's voice comes to you. Three main channels, so to speak. Number one is the written word of God. Number one way to hear God's voice is the written word of God. Number two is, is his spoken word to you personally in your spirit. And God will expect you to obey that word as much as he expects you to obey the written word, okay? 
And the third way that God will, will, will deliver his voice into your life is through your pastor or through your spiritual leadership, all right? Number one is the written word of God. Number two is the, the spoken word of God to your personal spirit, to your heart. The third way is, is from our pastors or our spiritual leadership, okay? Now, every one of those channels completely depend on each other, and they work with one another, right? You cannot subtract any of them from that order and expect to hear God's voice correctly and, and, and clearly, right? Right? If you, if you are somebody, I mean, if you remove any one of those, all right, in that order too, it has to remain in that order. The written word, the spoken word to your spirit, and thirdly, the, the, the word of God through your pastor, your man and woman of God, amen. If you remove any one of those from their order, then all the others will be compromised. It's like this. You could be somebody that you just, just read your Bible, meaning that that's the only thing you do in your devotion time. You can read the Word of God, but you never spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. I tell you what, you can't just read the Word without having an active prayer life and hearing the voice of God in your spirit. Because what will happen is if you're reading the Word of God apart from the direction and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God will become legalistic to you. It, it will become dry to you. You won't understand it. And you'll have happen, what happens to so many other people is that the Word of God, they start to interpret it through the eyes of legalism. When you start to just read the Word apart from uh, having an active fellowship time with God, all of a sudden you start becoming a legalist. You start looking more at the letter of the law than the spirit of the law, right? The letter of the law is death, but the spirit of the law brings life, right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's that personal fellowship time with God. The Spirit of God is going to reveal the Word to you. Amen. The Spirit of God is going to inject that, that love and that sweetness and that kindness along with the written Word of God. Amen. And so you'll start to understand what God was saying. You will start to perceive God correctly because you are fellowshipping with Him and His Word is going to make more sense. Amen. It's like this. So much of America today, they're trying to live off the Ten Commandments. And in their tradition, in their religion, they're trying to uh, interpret and perceive God through the Ten Commandments. And a lot of them, you know, uh, God's people, they're not spirit-filled. They're not praying in the Holy Ghost. They're not fellowshipping with God. And so they start to see the Ten Commandments were a matter of, of rules and regulation. Well, that's the letter of the law, and that brings death. But the spirit of the law, God wrote those commandments. So, of course, you know we are under the commandment of love. Aren't you glad? Amen. But even the Ten Commandments, if you look at the Ten Commandments and you fellowship with God, you'll understand that he didn't write those based on regulation. He wrote those based on love and relationship. When you understand that when he said, thou shall not steal. See, there's a lot of people out there, they say, well, I've never stolen anything, therefore I'm righteous. No. Just an absence of stealing anything doesn't make you righteous. God didn't write that rule for you to follow so you could say, therefore, I'm righteous. He wrote that rule so you understand, I wouldn't steal. Because if I steal, I will be walking outside of love. I will be hurting somebody else. Do you see the difference between the letter of the law? The letter of the law will make you a, a, a robot. It'll dry you up. But the spirit of the law, when you follow the spirit of it, you'll understand that it's about love. Amen? It's about love, and you would never steal. 
because it hurt somebody. You wouldn't commit adultery because it would hurt somebody. You wouldn't uh, worship other gods because it would hurt your father God, right? Amen. You start to understand the, the difference of it. So you can't just be a word person only without being a spirit person who fellowships with God, who seeks to hear God's voice in your own spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Now I do also, also, I know people that they read their Bible and they pray and uh, yet they don't have a pastor. And guess what? I mean, they, they, they read their Bible, they pray all the time and, and guess how far they get? They don't get very far at all. Because they're not, they're, they can, you can read your Bible all day, every day. You can pray all day, every day. And guess what? You can still be scattered and faint without a, without a shepherd. Amen. Hallelujah. So you need the voice of God through a pastor, just like you need the voice of God through the written word, through the spoken word of God in your own spirit, and then the word of God through your pastors. Amen. Amen. And just like this, I mean, you can't just pray either. I've known people that they, all they do is they pray. And then they don't read their Bibles. And they, they spend great amounts of time praying in the Holy Ghost and, and fellowshipping with God. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's wonderful to fellowship with God. But the Word of God is, you have to have the Word, you have to have a working knowledge of the Word of God. Because when you get into the Spirit, it is the Word that's going to be your navigator. Because you can get into the Spirit. How many of you know you can get into the Spirit and you can, you can hear the voice of God and, and, and you can uh, have revelation? How many of you know, though, that the, that the devil would try to interject things, too? And how will you discern untruth if you don't first know the truth? It's like that when I pray and I seek God and I get into the Spirit and I start to uh, uh, have many visions or you start to just have different revelations in and, 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 and d- different directions, if I didn't have the Word of God to interpret those things, if I didn't filter those experiences through the written Word, there's, things that, there's times you get into the Spirit, you have to, you have to push things aside. You say, no, 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 that, yes, yes, that, that. And you, and you get to navigate because you know the word of God first. And I've known this, people, that they, they pray, they pray, they pray, they pray, they pray, but they never meditate into the word. There's always error. They get prone to error. They get prone to error. All of a sudden, they'll be telling you, oh, pastor, I got this new revelation. I got this new revelation. I got this new revelation. And you sit there and you say, well, that's good, that's good, ooh. No, that's not good. That's not the word. That doesn't line up. And you start to understand that they are getting in there and they're getting some good stuff, but then they haven't had the solid foundation in the word in order to discern that. See, you have to have those three channels in that order. You have to have the written word. You have to have the spoken word to your spirit. And then you have to have the word of God through your pastor. Don't remove any one of them from that specific order. Word first, prayer pastors, right? Amen. So we're just kind of talking generally just to get started here. But tonight I'm going to talk about uh, three different intensities of God's voice to you personally. First we talked about the the written word, then we talked about the spoken word of God to your spirit. That's where we're going to focus here tonight. The spoken word, when God's voice speaks to your heart, to your spirit. And we're going to be talking about three different intensities, things what to do, things not to do. We're here to keep you safe. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. These aren't the only methods that God could use to speak to you. 
but uh, these are probably the most uh, common, and we're going to talk about the most common here. Uh, we're going to talk about the three different intensities, all right? The first two are, are far more rare than the, the last one we're going to talk about. The first one we're going to talk about is the audible voice of God. The second one we're going to talk about is the authoritative voice of God. And the third one, and the one we're going to focus on because it's the most important, is the still small voice. Amen. The still small voice. The aud- Number one, we're going to talk about the audible voice of God. So we're going to take us a minute to talk about it because it happens so infrequently. We're going to talk about the authoritative voice of God. And then thirdly, the still small voice. Amen. All right, let's go. Let's uh, go ahead. You're there in Matthew chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 16 and 17 here in just a moment. Let me give you some definition. First of all, the audible voice of God. What is the audible voice of God? That is when God speaks and you hear him physically through your, your own eardrums. Literally, the voice of God will register in your ears physically. I would say that this method of God speaking... It uh, occurs probably less than 0.001% of the time, okay? It's such an, uh, a, a smaller percentage of when God would speak to his people, but it's something that we need to know and understand because there's a lot of people out there today who are seeking to hear voices. There's people, uh, Jamestown has been uh, known for this. Uh, there has been uh, this, this move here in this city, uh, what we call the hyper-prophetic and things that are not biblical, and people that have been praying to hear voices and trying to hear God speak to them audibly in their physical ear. Well, here's the thing we need to understand. Yes, God can do that. He can do that. And there's people that have had that experience, and it's genuine, and it's awesome. However, God never tells us in his word to seek such experience. God never tells us to go and pray, oh, oh, I, I, I crave to hear voices. You don't want to ask God to hear voices. The devil will accommodate you, right? Brother Hagen uh, uh, and, and Reverend Joel could, uh, you know, verify this, this story with me. Um, if I'm getting any details incorrect, he, he, would, he would know. Uh, he, of course, uh, traveled with Brother Hagen for how many years, Reverend Joel? Seven years, traveled with Brother Hagen. And uh, uh, Brother Hagen told the story of this man who brought his wife to a prayer line to be ministered to. And uh, the man said, my wife is hearing voices. I guess what medical science would call schizophrenia. And as Brother Hagen was going to minister to her, the Holy Ghost spoke to him on the inside and said, do not lay hands on her because she will not receive it and it will not work. Okay? And uh, so Brother Hagen looked at the man and said, I am not going to lay hands on your wife. And the guy said, well, why not? And the Spirit of God prompted uh, Brother Hagen. He says, because you have taken her to all these nationally known ministers and they've all ministered to her with no success. And I'll tell you why. She's hearing those voices because she wants to hear those voices. And if I lay hands on her, nothing's going to happen, and you're going to walk out of here, and you're going to blame me for why it didn't work. Yeah, because this man had, the Spirit of God had revealed that to Brother Hagen, and it was true that this man had gotten pretty upset at the other ministers when his wife didn't get free. And, and, and uh, Brother Hagen turned to the woman and said, uh, uh, do you want to hear these voices? And she said, yes, I want to hear these voices. And Brother Hagin said, see, I can do nothing for you because as long as you want them that way, you're going to keep, you're going to keep having those voices, right? Of course, you can't cast a devil out of somebody when they want the devil to stay there, right? 
And this woman had gotten into that condition because she was praying to hear the audible voice of God, or what she thought was the audible voice of God. She liked hearing voices. She wanted to hear those voices. And, of course, uh, uh, the devil accommodated her. So the reason why we would even stop and teach on something like this is to keep you safe. Because there's churches out there, there's churches in this town, there's places around here that'll tell you to pray for such things. Pray that God speak to you audibly. Pray that you would have uh, dreams and so on. And, and uh, I said that to a Christian uh, just recently. Uh, uh, I, I said that, um, I was in a, in a meeting, and I said, you know, you've got to be careful. Because I just started sensing in my spirit that this couple was, was praying for things that were getting them in trouble. And I said, be careful, don't be praying for... For, for dreams. And this person looked absolutely shocked and said, what? I'm not supposed to be praying that God would give me dreams? I said, no! The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Right. It doesn't say as many as are led by dreams. See, we have to, we have to be careful what we seek and what we desire. We have to make sure that it's according to the Word of God because if it's outside of the boundaries of the Word, then the devil can accommodate, right? So that is why we would we'd talk about it. So let's give you some examples of the audible voice. Just real quickly, we're going to go through this because we want to get to the still small voice. Amen. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist. It says, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If you had been standing there that day with John the Baptist and with Jesus, you would have heard that voice audibly in your physical ears. That would have been pretty heavy duty, wouldn't it? Amen, amen. You're in Matthew. Why don't you turn over there to chapter 17, and we'll just take another uh, look in the Word for an example here. Can it happen? Yes. How many of you remember uh, Dr. Larry Hutton? He was here. He had a genuine experience where God spoke to him audibly while he was in his vehicle. I believe it was the year 1980 or 1981. He was in his vehicle and he was driving somewhere out west. I believe it was in Oklahoma. And uh, uh, Dr. Hutton, uh, the voice of God spoke to him audibly in his car and said, uh, keep my, my word is simple. Pre preach my word. Keep it simple. My word is simple. Literally, that's, it was an audible voice as he rode in that car as if someone was sitting right next to him. He had an experience like that. You know, and, and of, of course he said he hasn't had an experience like that since, but it was an audible voice. It can happen, but of course Dr. Hutton will be the first to tell you that he wasn't out seeking such of an experience. If God so chooses and God wills to speak to you like that, there's a couple things that you'll need to know what to do, right? First of all, don't go be telling everybody. <laughs> God spoke to me in my car. God said this. Uh, you know, you know, and people run out there and they try to use their own spiritual experiences to bolster their reputation. Spiritual sp people will ponder in their heart a true spiritual experience. Remember when the angel showed up and talked to Mary and said, what is conceived of you is of the Holy Ghost? And what did Mary say? It says, Mary pondered those things in her heart. Hallelujah. Spirituality doesn't look to go out and, and broadcast, publish, Facebook, all your spiritual experiences. <laughs> I know my wife is a big fan of Facebook. <laughs> Amen. Matthew chapter 17. 
So what do you do? First of all, you keep it to yourself. The second thing you do is you'd want to submit something like that to somebody who's in spiritual leadership over you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This, this message tonight, I just have to tell you, it's not going to be one where I'm jumping on soapboxes and, and things like that. This is a real practical sheep food message here tonight. Because we have to get spirit conscious. If we, are gonna, if we are going to embrace this move of God, if we're going to embrace a new level here at this church, if we're going to embrace what God's doing, we better be spirit conscious, all right? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Matthew 17 and verse 1, it says, After six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up to a high mountain apart. Jesus was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now verse 5 says, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, and they were sore afraid. Now this was an audible voice from heaven, the voice of the Father God, and it shook them to their core, right? People, I, I noticed that... Uh, you know, those people that they, 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 they ask for these experiences, you know, and, and they, they say, oh, the voice of God, you know, spoke, the voice of God spoke. Well, I'll tell you what, if God speaks from his throne in heaven, it's going to shake you up. You'll never forget it. And people talk so cheap and so shallow about spiritual experiences. Come on now. Now, I want to show you this. I think it's also very interesting that Peter, in one of his epistles in 2 Peter chapter 1, he talks about this experience. And while he's talking about this experience, how many of you know that that would leave an indelible mark on your life forever? You would remember the Spirit of God. That's when Dr. Hutton, he says that about that, that car experience. He remembers the day, the time. He remembers it like it was yesterday because it was very dramatic. Now, let's go over to 2 Peter Amen. Faith and Healing School. So we're doing a little teaching here tonight. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1, and let's start in verse 17. I think Peter really brings out something really important here. Something that we need to get a hold of, and also something that you know, some of the uh, Pentecostal circles need to get a hold of. When it comes to what's more important, your spiritual experiences or the Word? <laughs> the word, amen. Let's start in verse 17. Watch what Peter says here. He says this, for he's talking of Christ. He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. See, Peter's talking about this experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he says, in this voice which came from heaven, we heard audibly. This was the audible voice of God when we were with him in the holy mount. Now look at this, look at verse 19. He says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. He's talking in context to the voice of God that boomed out of heaven. And he says, but we have something more sure. Yes, yes, yes. That's right, come on. 
We have something more sure. How do you get more sure than being in a cloud on the Mount of Transfiguration to hear the booming voice of God coming from the throne that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. How do you get more sure than that? But that's what he's talking about, verse 19. He says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you, you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, everyone say first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So he's now talking about the experience on the mountain versus the written scriptures. Notice what the scriptures were called. A more sure word of prophecy. Amen. Amen. So, so many people out there say, well, I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear it. And, and, and there's no doubt some folks that are genuinely hungry for spiritual things and spiritual experiences. But what did he say? Knowing this first. Knowing this first. See, a spiritual experience without filtering it through the word can be dangerous. Yes, that's right. Because people start to live on experiences. Praise God for experiences in the spirit. No doubt, uh, I'm very grateful for several, of the, you know, for all the, ex- the, the experiences I've had in the Spirit. However, I must know something first. I must make sure that I don't have any private interpretation of the Scriptures. Amen. I must have a solid working knowledge of the written Word. Hallelujah. See, this is what keeps people safe. Is that we're first Word people. Second Spirit people, Right? Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, so many people, they're seeking experiences apart from the word. I'll tell you what, you have to have the word to give credence to those experiences in the spirit. You need the word is going to substantiate that. Hallelujah. Can you imagine, how many of you are familiar with uh, Brother Chris D'Amico? He's going to be coming here. And uh, we're so, I mean, I've had an opportunity to sit down on the other side of the table and listen to some of his spiritual experiences. And I've sat with, with folks like Dr. Dufresne and, and uh, these gentlemen, Pastor Michael, Reverend Joel, and things. And we, you talk about these experiences in the Spirit. And, and all of these men of God have something in common is that they're first word people. They're word people. I'll tell you what. People without the word. The Spirit without the word is flaky. But the word without the Spirit is dry and religious. Right? We need to understand we have to have a balance. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's talk about the authoritative voice of God. So the audible voice of God, like I said, it might happen less than a tenth of a percent of the time. Okay? You may live and die as a good, faithful, spiritual Christian without ever hearing the audible voice of God. I personally have never had the experience of hearing God's audible voice. But I'm pursuing God. It doesn't make me anything less. It doesn't make you any less. If God so chooses to speak to me that way, so be it. I'll keep it to myself. I'll submit it to my pastor. Amen. I'll let spiritual men judge it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is just good, straightforward, just simple, keeping you safe. Let's talk about the second second, uh, uh, intensity of God's voice, the authoritative voice of God. Let me give you a definition. The authoritative voice of God is hearing specific spoken 
intelligible words, sentences, and phrases in your spirit. You hear them on the inside. You hear with the ears of your spirit man, okay? But it's not a witness. It's not a sense. It's not a leading. It's a specific, intelligible phrase, sentence, or instruction in your spirit, all right? Amen. And I I know that uh, so many of you are, are taking notes, and that blesses me to see that because this is school here tonight, amen? Where you hear a specific instruction in your spirit, and it's not just a witness that you should do something. It is words. It's an instruction, and it's specific and intelligible, right? Yes. Amen. I want to give you some examples of this in the Word. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's take a look at this in the Word. The authoritative voice of God. Now, I would say that the author- now these aren't ironclad numbers. I'm just throwing these numbers out to give you an idea of the, 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 the frequency of these experiences, I would say the authoritative voice of God occurs probably less than 5 to 10% of the time. I would just say that. Uh, I, I, would, I would say that that's probably a safe number. Don't put any rules on those numbers. I'm just giving you the idea that it's still a lot less likely than the still small voice. However, the authoritative voice will happen greatly more frequently than the audible voice of God. I've had several experiences in my life with the authoritative voice of God. And I'll give you some uh, of those stories here in just a moment. Let's go over there to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to go to uh, chapter 12. And we're going to start there in verse 7. And you remember how Paul talked about the thorn in the flesh. And how many of you remember it's not a sickness or disease. It was the messenger of Satan to buffet his body, to pound him, to persecute him, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let's start in verse 7. He says, Unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, and like I say, when people, they start getting worried about, you know, the thorn in the flesh, sickness and disease. Well, have you had the same abundance of revelations as Paul the Apostle? Even, Even though we know it wasn't sickness and disease, Are you concerned that people are going to start worshiping you because of the abundance of your revelations in Christ? (laughs) Well, then you don't have anything to be concerned about, right? (laughs) He said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Verse 8. He said, for this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Well, now we know that it's not sickness and disease, right? Because you, the Bible tells us that we can go to the Word and believe the Word, and sickness and disease will depart. Amen? But anyway, verse 9, it says, Jesus said unto me, this is Paul speaking, Jesus said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, we're not given any idea that this was a, a vision, Uh, We aren't given any idea that this was uh, something that Jesus uh, showed up and said to him personally. We are given the idea that this was spoken to Paul in his spirit as he besought the Lord or sought God. The third time that authoritative voice spoke up and, and, and delivered that specific word to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Notice it was perfect intelligible sentences and phrases, right? So we understand that. I've had this experience several times. 
Uh, in my life, one of the, the, the more notable ones was when uh, it was September the uh, September 8th of 2005. Um, I was a school teacher, many of you know, and uh, I was just praying. I was upstairs in our, in our former house, and we had a spare room there before we had children, and I was just praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, and the authoritative voice of God came to me and said, this is your last year as a teacher. That was verbatim. It wasn't, it was so loud in my spirit, it was almost as if it was audible in the room, okay? It was authoritative. It wasn't a sense that I got. It wasn't just an inkling. It was authoritatively, this is your last year as a teacher. And, uh, you know, and it it rattled my cage a little bit, you know, and I knew that I was called to ministry, but I just didn't know when. And I told my wife about it. She said, go in and keep praying, (laughs) you know. Because I wanted, she, she, you know, liked the, the, the school teacher job that I had. And it was, you know, just something that a lot of people don't give up in Jamestown or whatever. And uh, I went in there for the next week. I had that same experience with God for the next seven days. Every day, the authority, just as I was praying in the Spirit, seeking God. This is your last year as a teacher. You know, just alive and in my spirit. Authoritative voice of God. And sure, it was one week to the day. It was on uh, uh, September 15th. It was a Thursday, 2005. I had an appointment over here on this property with Pastor Michael. It was that day I walked into uh, that office and Pastor Michael uh, asked me to be the pastor of this church. And see, and Pastor Michael sat there and he said, you know, uh, I understand you have a school teaching job. You're welcome to keep that and then preach on the weekends. And you can have two salaries, one from the church, one from the school. You know, you'll just be all sorts of blessed, you know, amen. And, and, uh, uh, but I had already heard from heaven. I had already heard from heaven. I knew that that would be my last year as a school teacher. And later on in the year, the Lord revealed to me that if I had not heeded that word that both the church and my teaching job would have suffered and I would have failed at both. So you got to listen to the Holy Ghost. you got to listen to the Holy Ghost. Amen. That authoritative voice of God. Uh, several times uh, uh, while I'm ministering, a lot of times the authoritative voice will, will, will show up in my spirit and, and start telling me uh, things to say. It, sometimes the authoritative voice will, will come out in the, in, in, by means of word of knowledge where the authoritative voice will speak on the inside of me. This happened uh, several weeks ago on a Wednesday night. Uh, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, he literally mentioned the names. Now, this was more specific than the Holy Ghost had been with me in the past. He said, this person and this person are having thoughts of suicide. And he called them out in my spirit, and I knew exactly who they were. There's been other times when the Spirit of God would speak to me and say, there is somebody here with arthritis, call it out. And it will, that will be a word of knowledge, but that's also the authoritative voice of God. It's specific. It's words intelligible in my spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I remember one time I was uh, driving down Foot Avenue, and this was back in the days when we had our 86 Chevy cargo van. Hallelujah. <laughs> we go from glory to glory, right? And I was cruising down Foot Avenue right here in Jamestown, and I drove by a car that was stuck right in the median. You know how they have those wide medians there in, in, in Foot Avenue? And uh, they were stuck right there in, with, in the median with its uh, hazard lights on, 
And I just drove by this car, and as I drove by, the Spirit of God spoke authoritatively in my spirit, said, go back and help them. And I mean, I, I, I was just on my way. I had things to do or whatever. I mean, and the, the, the authoritative voice spoke up again and said, turn around and help them. And so I swung that beast around <laughs> and got back there, pulled up, and there was two uh, teenage guys that were stranded. Their car was broken down in the middle of Foot Avenue. They were 18 and 19 years old. I got out of the car, started to help them. Uh, I had a cell phone, made a phone call for them or whatever. In the meantime, I, a wonderful door opened, and I started talking to them about Jesus. I just had a wonderful door that just opened, started talking about Jesus. As I shared with them, uh, I gave them an invitation. I said, do you want to? I mean, they were so interested. They were so hungry, they didn't even realize it. And I gave them an invitation. I said, do you want to, uh, uh, you know, ask Jesus into your heart? And, and you want to get saved and born again? Of course, I explained what all that means. And they are like, yeah. Yeah, we do. They literally, while we were waiting for a tow truck or whatever, the, I mean, in the back of that van, it was just big, empty space. I didn't have any seats in there or anything. I mean, we got in that van. They were like, they knelt right down on their knees and both repented and and confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior right there, right there in the middle of Foot Avenue. And you cannot ignore the authoritative voice of God. Amen. Uh, One time time I was down in North Carolina visiting uh, some some family down there, and uh, uh, I had... Now, there are some folks that, down there that had known me in my previous life. And uh, I had just started serving Jesus. And there was a, a couple that they had. Um, they had a child who was about 20, 21 years old, this guy. And they just felt like he was pursuing some wrong directions in, in his life. And they had seen the radical change in my life since I started serving Jesus. And they came to me and they said, Tim, you know, we've seen a big change in your life. Will you talk to our son? And whatever you got, will you please give it to him? I mean, literally, I said, well, just so you know what it is that I got, it was Jesus. You know, and they're like, okay, okay, just whatever it is, just tell them. You know, and I was sitting, and I I guess I had uh, waited a couple days there for an opportunity, and no opportunity really came to to talk to him. And and, uh, uh, one day I was getting ready, and the authoritative voice of God just spoke up to me while I was getting ready. I don't know if I'm putting some hair gel in or whatever. And all of a sudden, the authoritative voice of God spoke up and said, and they mentioned the, the young man's name, said, talk to, and it mentioned his name. And uh, the, the, the young man actually happened to be at the house where I was, and I walked out. And this kid, he, he and I, we had nothing in common. You know what I mean? He was, you know, we were from two different ends. I mean, he was more into the hard rock and gothic type stuff, and I was from the land of 71 Volkswagen microbuses. <laughs> so we had, we had nothing in common, right? But I just came out to there, and I said, uh, I said hey, you know, would, would you like to you know, go do something? We can sit and talk or whatever. Long story short, we ended up going golfing, of all things. And right around the 10th hole of our golf game, we started, which we were both terrible at it, <laughs> and we, we started talking. All of a sudden, just started talking. I mean, the door opened up, started talking to this young man. He said, I don't even want to play golf anymore. He said, I just want to get in my car and drive around Greensboro, North Carolina. And he said, I just want to drive around and I want to ask you questions about God and the Bible. I said, wonderful, let's do it. Let's just quit this golf game. Let's go. So we jumped in this car. He's racing all around. I mean, he's just asking question after question. And you ever just, you know, when that anointing comes on you, just that you just have answers from the word. And it just starts spilling out on this guy. 
long story short, we pull up in front of a, a Borders bookstore that he was working at and some huge you know, strip mall that they have down there. And uh, uh, we started, started talking. I mean, this guy was, I mean, he was not someone who was prone to emotion. He, he, he was tough. He was cool. I mean, he, didn't, he doesn't cry in front of anybody. And as I told him about Jesus, and, uh, uh, he, he decided to accept Christ into his life. He prayed, broke down in tears, and uh, uh, just made Jesus the Lord of his life that night. And, uh, you know, that authoritative voice spoke. Amen. Go talk to him, you know, and you have to obey that. And that was specific words in his spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Go to Acts chapter 18. And I really want to move along here because I want to spend a few minutes talking about the still small voice. Because that's really the reason why we're here. But I figure I'd cover some of this ground because we have to understand. Folks, we need to be spiritual people. You know, as we grow spiritually... The, the authoritative voice, I mean, there's so many of God's people today, they have no idea what that even is. They didn't, they, so many of God's people, they don't even realize that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. I'll tell you what, we need to make sure that we're spirit conscious, meaning we're always listening, checking in our spirit about decisions that we're making. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Acts 18. Verses 8 through 10. This was Paul the Apostle when he was traveling to Corinth. He says in Crispus, I'm sure a lot of you have a great uncle Crispus. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Now, if you had been standing next to Paul that night as he slept, you wouldn't have heard anything. You wouldn't have heard it. It was not audible. It was something that he spoke on the inside. Now, I think it's very interesting that this, this never really gives us the idea that necessarily, we don't know if Paul actually saw Jesus or not, but we do know that these words were spoken to him. And if you had been there, you would not have heard that audibly. It would have been something that would have been on the inside. But notice how specific that instruction was. Amen. There seems to be something about the authoritative voice when it comes to scenarios of danger and protection. There is no doubt that God's voice will get more authoritative if we move into areas where something or somebody is trying to hurt us. Okay? Doesn't your voice with your child get more authoritative as they get closer to something that could hurt them? Doesn't your voice get louder? You know, amen, that's absolutely right. There, there are so many times when, when God's voice will get dramatic in our lives as a sense as we move towards something that could hurt us. I know that God's voice got very authoritative with me about that issue of, of, of taking two salaries, one from the church, one from the school, because I was tempted I mean, I was, I was interested. Let's talk about that, <laughs> you know? You know, almost sounded like I'll just keep my teaching job, show up to church. I'm going to be at church anyway. I'll just do the preaching while I'm there, you know? I mean, that's what, that's what I was thinking in my mind back then, you know? And uh, I know why God's voice got authoritative, because he knew that I was going to need that anchor to my soul. 
He knew that I was going to need to remember that dramatic voice because if I did make that carnal decision, that it would hurt my life, it would have hurt my marriage, it would have hurt my reputation, it would have hurt the, the, it would have stunted the growth of this church. See, the voice of God speaks authoritatively. As you know, you get closer to a, a decision that uh, could hurt you. Absolutely. Now, I'm not saying that's, that's an ironclad rule, but there seems to be an association with danger and the authoritative voice of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, let's get into, let's get into this. Oh, I think this is kind of an interesting example. Uh, how many of you know the reverends Re, uh, Chris and Crystal Herman? Yeah, no one's ever heard of them here before. <laughs> Reverend Chris and Crystal, could you stand up and introduce yourself, please? <laughs> you know, how many of you remember? I used to live right next door to, to the Hermans, and, and uh, I was a school teacher at Rogers uh, Elementary School, and I lived just right down the hill, and some days I would just walk to, to work and, and walk home. One day I was walking home from, from uh, teaching school, and uh, the Hermans had been living there. I don't know, how many, how many months had you guys lived in that house before you started coming to church here? Maybe four, yeah, it, was, it wasn't very long, four or five months or whatever. And as I was walking home, and I'm naturally a shy person. Just naturally, I'm shy. And uh, my wife is sneering at me right now. <laughs> and uh, I was walking home, and I was coming up the walk, and uh, Reverend Chris and Crystal, uh, they were out on their side yard, and they only had Caden at that point, and, and Caden was just, what, two years old maybe? And uh, he was playing in the grass, and they were just right there. And I walked right by him. I turned up my walkway. I was going in the house. And all of a sudden, the authoritative voice of God said, Go talk to them. I mean, very loud to me. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, guys, I have something to confess. I, I did not want to. <laughs> just naturally, I thought, man, I just got done working. I just want to go in. I want to get a Diet Pepsi, and I want to crash on the couch for a minute, you know? And, I mean, the authoritative voice was so loud. I mean, it, it stopped me. And I had gone across the street. And I'm like, hey, guys, you know, what are you doing? And, and so on. And I believe that was a Friday. Now, correct me if I get any of these details wrong in the story, but that was a Friday. And uh, we had just started the ministry here, Pillars of God. It was our college and career age ministry. Pastor Michael was still the pastor. And Katie and I had started that ministry under Pastor Michael. And that was a Friday, and I told you guys about that and uh, invited them to, to, to come to church and whatever. And both the Hermans, they showed up that night with Caden, and uh, the rest is history. Now, there was that night that Reverend Crystal got saved, and it was a week later, I believe, that you rededicated your life to God. Reverend Crystal had been raised in a Christian family, and, and, uh, but he got rededicated a week later. And see, and now here they are. Uh, they're going to be pastoring a church before you know it. You just never know the fruit that's behind when God gives you an instruction like that. God knew that I naturally was just, I was just, I was thinking carnal. It took the authoritative voice to snap me out of my carnality, to stop thinking about my turkey sandwich and my Diet Pepsi, to go over there and to talk to them. Amen. You know, and get them to church. And it was that, <laughs> it was that night uh, Reverend Crystal got saved. Uh, I think I had to convince you, I think, for a half hour that you were actually saved. Two hours, yeah. I said, uh, how can I be saved? If I, how can I be saved just because I, I, I prayed that? And, you know, and, uh, I had to explain, well, did you, did you believe? Did you enter into faith? Yes, yes, but how is it just that simple? <laughs> but we got her convinced about two hours later, and now she's a licensed minister of the gospel. Amen. 
Hallelujah. The authoritative voice. When God speaks to you like that, it's because it is something that you don't want to miss. I mean, that was a divine ordained, that was a, a, a divinely uh, ordained moment in God. Don't miss it. Now, I would have liked to say that God could have just spoken to me in the still, small voice, <laughs> but I had to be spoken to in the authoritative voice that day. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let's talk about the still, small voice. So we talked about the audible voice of God. We talked about the authoritative voice of God. Now, let's talk about the still, small voice. Go to 1 Kings chapter 19. Hallelujah. And we'll get ready to wrap this up, but we've got to talk about the still, small voice before we go. Glory to God. We have to hear God's voice. We have to be conscious of the Spirit, conscious of our own spirit, and what God is, is speaking. It's like this. There's radio waves that are flying through this room right now, but you're not hearing the voices on those radio waves because you don't have a tuner. When you get born again, the candle of your spirit gets lit. It's like your receiver gets turned on. When you get born again, your receiver gets turned on, and now you have been given this, this spirit that's alive unto God to start tuning in and to hear that voice that God's speaking. You know, it's just like there's voices going through the air right now that you can't hear. There's times, there's so many times God's voice is, is speaking, but God's people aren't hearing because they're not tuned to the right frequency. Tonight, we're just trying to remind you to, to get your tuners on and get listening. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. 1 Kings 19. And let's start in 11 and 12. This is, of course, Elijah, and he's feeling pretty discouraged, and he's feeling like he's alone, and that uh, all the people of Israel have forsaken God, and, and, and God's going to do something pretty incredible here. And when he does this incredible thing, it really teaches us what God's preferred method of speaking to his people is. It's the still, small voice. The still, small voice will occur more than 90% of the time. More than 90% of the time of the leadings of God will come through the still, small voice. Okay? Amen. I'm going to teach you how to recognize that still, small voice. Verse 11 says this, 1 Kings 19.11. And he said, go forth. This is God's direction to Elijah. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. In verse 13, if you go on reading, it says, And it was so when Elijah heard it. All right? So there is the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. Natural circumstances. God wasn't in any of them. You know you are trapped in carnality when you demand natural circumstances to be a witness to you of God's will. The natural realm is a poor representation of the will of God. 
There is things all over this world that are happening every day that you see in TV, see at your job, at work, all these things that you see. There's people out dying. There's uh, babies being born addicted to drugs. There's people murdering each other. There's people going hungry. There's people going without God. There's people that are dying sick and diseased and miserable. There's people that are, are depressed and full of anxiety. None of that is God's perfect will for any of those people. God always has something better. And yet people, they look at the natural world trying to perceive God through the natural world when the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. This natural realm is not God's realm. It's the devil's realm. You cannot perceive God through what you see naturally. There's people that are out preaching. Well, God had a sovereign plan for that crack baby to be born. God did not make any baby born addicted to crack. Well, God had a sovereign plan for that 25-year-old man to get killed tragically. No, God didn't have a, a sovereign plan to kill somebody in the prime of life. We need to understand this. Don't look at the natural realm because it's a poor representation of the will of God. You can only know the will of God through his word. Amen. You cannot perceive God by the natural realm. You can't perceive God naturally. And I'll tell you what, remember what Jesus said? He said, a wicked and adulterous, perverse generation seeks after a sign. We have to, we have to be careful. I mean, there are Christians, there are pastors that are still fleecing God. Do you know what that means? Remember Gideon over there in Judges chapter 7 when he was trying to figure out what God... Now remember, Gideon lived in the Old Testament. He was not filled with the Spirit like we are. He was not led by the Spirit like we are. He could not discern. He was having a hard time deciding what God's will is. So what he did, remember he set out that fleece and he said, God, if I come back in the morning and the fleece is dry but the ground is wet, then I'll know you were in it. And then I'm going to do it again the next day and if the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, I'll know you're in it again. Remember that? He had to try to discern God through a natural witness because Gideon's spirit had not been lit. His tuner was not turned on like our tuner is turned on in the New Testament. Amen. The Bible says over there, Proverbs 20, 27, it says uh, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. It's not the flesh of man is not the candle of the Lord. The mind of man is not the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is the light bulb of the Lord, right? Glory to God, it's the spotlight. Amen, hallelujah. You know, there's some people, they will only move and do something if there is an earthquake, so to speak. It takes, I've, I've heard so many Christians, my goodness, I've heard Christians around here, no offense, <laughs> that have said, Pastor Tim, God gave me a sign. I knew I was to take that job because... I, my favorite color is blue, and they, I, they showed me what would be my new office, and the, the color on the wall was blue. It was a sign from God. No, it was not a sign from God. God isn't providing you any natural signs. Now, every good and perfect gift does come from above. Now, you can look at natural circumstances, and you can look back upon them and see, oh, yes, that was God blessing me, God blessed me, God blessed me, God blessed me. But in terms of figuring out what your next step is, you're not looking for a sign. Well, if I step out of the house today, and if it's raining, then I'll know that uh, I'm not to marry so-and-so. 
You know, people do that. They seek for a sign. God's not leading that way. He wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the earthquake, and he wasn't in the fire, but after the fire, a still, small voice. Carnality is defined by the following. Carnality is the result of looking outwardly to hear from an inward God. That's what carnality is. To look outward, seeking for an inward God. God dwells in you. He lives on the inside. The hope of glory, Christ in me. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God, right? Romans 8, verse 14. Verse 16 goes on to say, For the Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let me just run down here as we have a few minutes. Uh, Let me give you how... This method, the still small voice, how it shows up. The inward witness, or what I call the still small voice, or the Bible calls a still small voice. Uh, you could also describe it as this, the inward witness, an inward leading, a divine intuition. You know what I mean? Sometimes the world describes it as I had a gut feeling. Well, that's pretty accurate. Because your spirit is, is not in your mind, it's not in your flesh. Your spirit is down here in the center of your being, all right? When the Bible says the word heart, it is usually speaking of the spirit of man, okay? And it's not talking about that organ that's pumping blood in your body. It's talking about the center of your being, right? Just like if you said, oh, I'm going to drive into the heart of town. I'm going to go into the heart of the city. You would understand that you're talking about the center of the city. In the same way, when the Bible says the heart of man, it's talking about the center of man, right? I already quoted Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching the inward parts of the belly. So that gives us more of an idea of where the spirit is. It's down here in your belly region, right? Not talking about the belly of flesh, you understand. I'm talking just in that center of your being. That's what the, the spirit, the candle of the Lord is doing, searching the inward parts of your spirit man in the center of you. When I go to make a decision, I don't check upstairs. I check down here in my spirit. I'm constantly, when I pray, I'm, I'm, I'm in my spirit. I try to shut this mind down, throw that into neutral, get down here into my spirit. I notice this, that sometimes it just natural things can, uh, can help me with that. Um, you know, I just get on my knees and I just concentrate uh, on my spirit. It's not an ironclad rule. I'm just talking about how... How it helps me when I'm in a service and I'm perceiving God. I just try to, I just, I just double right up and I just get concentrated in my spirit because that's where God's going to talk to me. Now, there are times, of course, when thoughts will float up from your spirit and enlighten your mind, but of course, it starts down here. Amen. In the spirit of man. Now, let me show you how this, this, this shows up, so to speak. The inward witness, this is, for some reason, this illustration has always helped me. I hope it helps you. The inward witness, the still small voice, I describe it like this. It's like wind over a hot coal. You ever seen wind over a hot coal? That, when that wind hits it, you ever trying to start a fire and you know, you'll use billows or you'll blow on the coals or whatever, and when, those, when that wind hits that hot coal, it just lights up, right? That's, just how, that's how the Spirit of God seems to, to lead me at times. It's just like wind over a hot coal, you know? 
it, it, I was a sailor, and I spent time, uh, I spent time, you know, training to, to discern the wind and wind changes and things like that. And sometimes they would teach you. You've all done this before. You're trying to figure out where the wind's blowing. What do you do? You'll lick your finger, as gross as it sounds, I know. And you'll, you'll hold it up into the breeze. And now that wet finger, right, is more sensitive to the wind. Right? It says exactly right, like wind over a hot coal. It's just like it might not show up in intelligible words, but there's just a leading in your spirit that there's like wind over a hot coal. There's something active, and you know which way, way to go, right? Remember the, the, the children of Israel, how they were led by the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? And when that fire would, would get up and move, God said, wherever that pillar of fire goes, you go. Wherever that pillar of cloud goes, you go. If it goes, go. If it stays, stay. If it stops, stop. If it moves, move, right? Wherever that pillar goes, that's the same, that's an illustration of the leading of the Holy Ghost. I don't do anything unless that wind's blowing over that hot coal. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let me show you some specific examples in the Word of how this is and how important this is. Like I said, this is God's preferred method. God doesn't want to have to yank on the reins to get you to do something. Stubborn animals have to be yanked on. Now, my, my mother grew up uh, riding horses, and she tried to get me riding horses and stuff when I was a kid, and man, I just never could trust them. <laughs> I just give me a motorcycle. Uh, I mean, just, just give me a motorcycle. Amen. Praise God. And there was a big debate, what's more dangerous, you know, the horse or the motorcycle? I say, well, neither if you're walking in God and you're enjoying your covenant rights, right? But I just prefer a motorcycle. And uh, I'd, I'd see these horses and, and whatnot. And you start to understand that when the horse is being stubborn, the person that's on that horse is yanking and pulling, and that horse is, you know, and it's all just, everything's just going bonkers there. Because the harder, the more stubborn the animal, the harder you got to pull. In the same way, so many times it's like that with God's voice. He has to speak louder because we're being more stubborn. His preferred method, it, it should just be like a feather over our spirit and we know which way to go. We should be so sensitive to the spirit. I mean, uh, Jesus compared, over there in uh, uh, John chapter 3, verse 8, he compared the spirit of God to wind, Right? And we know there's other illustrations, Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, or came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and so on. And, uh, uh, you know, it should just take a light breeze. You know? Uh, again, I'll use a sailing illustration. It was always better. If you are a good sailor, you can sail any boat in a light breeze. And it was always those sailors who didn't know what they were doing, that they needed 30 miles per hour wind just to make the boat go. They had to, it took all that because they didn't know. Their skills weren't honed. But spiritually speaking, when our skills are honed, amen, we don't need a hurricane force gale to know what God wants us to do. Oh, I sense that breeze. I sense that in my spirit, that, that light leading, that intuition. Let's look at it real quickly. Hallelujah. It's like wind over a hot coal. Now, uh, just for the sake of time, let me show you some things up here. You're taking notes, so you can look at this at home. Let me show you some things. Number one, the, the, the still small voice will bear witness in your conscience. Okay? Romans chapter 9 and verse 1. Many of my mentoring students, you're realizing that a lot of the stuff we got into last night is what we're talking about tonight. Because <laughs> it just was so good. Amen? 
And I just, this is where I was inclined to go tonight, so this is where we're going. Now look what Paul says. He's beginning this whole chapter 9 with this statement. Actually, Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 is this great big revealing of God's plan with the Jewish people. And look what Paul says as he's writing the eternal word of God. He says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. And then he goes on to write the rest of the chapter. He is telling us that what he's about to write is what is bearing witness in his conscience. God permitted, allowed, and ordained what was just in Paul's conscience to become the eternal word of God. So the authoritative voice, I'm not saying it's more important. We're seeing that God looks at the still small voice and he expects us to follow it. Amen. You don't say, well, I'll just wait till God speaks to me authoritatively. No, praise and bless God that you picked it up in the still small voice. Move when you know. Don't be the stubborn animal. The most blessed horses, the, the greatest pedigrees, they're the ones that you just tug the reins a little to the right and they go right. Just a gentle tug and that's all it takes to turn that massive animal. I don't want to be the stubborn brute, right? I want to be the pedigree, right? Number one here, we see the still small voice will bear witness in your conscience. Look at this. Go over there to Luke chapter 1 with me real quick. Let me show you this again. Your conscience will bear witness. Something in your conscience, meaning you'll just know, you know what? I just can't fail to follow that direction. If I, if I don't do that thing that's in my conscience, it's going to bother me. It's like a scratching on the inside. It's like if I, if I just don't do that, it's going to bother me. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 1. Of course, you know that Luke is the writer of this gospel. And then, of course, he wrote the book of Acts. But look at chapter 1, verse 1. It says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth and order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, That's a real fancy way of Luke saying, I'm writing this book because. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses, meaning the eyewitnesses of the life of Christ, and ministers of the word. Look at verse 3. He says, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. Luke the author of one of the four Gospels, he's telling us what motivated him to write one of the most influential books that has ever taken place. Of course, it's one of the four Gospels. It's the eternal word of God by which all humanity will be judged. And he just said, it just seems good to me. He didn't have a thunderclap from heaven. Jesus didn't show up in his room. He didn't have the thunderbolt zap him. It wasn't even the authoritative voice. He said, you know, it just seems good that I should write also the things that Jesus said and spoke while he was on this earth. It just seemed good. It just seemed good. So it'll bear witness for your conscience. It'll just seem good on the inside. You getting something out of that? Aren't you glad that God doesn't expect you to hear a a, a thunderclap every time he speaks? It just seems good. Now, there's some things that should just always seem good. Don't wake up and say, you know what, Pastor Tim? I can't go to church this week because it just didn't seem good. 
Don't you get into that and say, well, I just didn't bring the tithe. I had to, I had to pay the car insurance bill. Uh-oh. Getting the, 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 the cheap hanky wave. Getting the Kleenex. I, I can tell my anointing hasn't risen to the, the, the effect of Pastor Michael's yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. People say, I don't feel, you know, it just didn't seem good this week to pay my tithes. You know that there are absolutes in the word of God that you don't violate regardless of what seems good to you. You understand. But I'm talking about when it comes to those personal decisions in your life that the word of God does not specifically tell you, doesn't tell you who to marry, doesn't tell you what investment to make, doesn't tell you specifically. There's no scripture in the Bible that, that tells you who to marry and to do those personal things, right? You have to be led by the inward witness. It's got to seem good. And you need to believe God that he is faithful, that if there was an issue, that he would put a red flag or a stopping block. You've got to believe God. I believe so many people, are so, they're so, they start to worry about whether or not they're hearing the voice of God. They start worrying. I don't know if I'm hearing. I don't know if I'm hearing. Don't get worried about it. Because now the next thing you know, you're out of faith. I just move along as it seems good. And if God is going to stop me, he's going to put a red flag in my spirit. He's going to put a stopping block in there, right? So it bears witness. It seems good. Notice the entire book of Luke was the product of something that just seemed good. Just seemed good. (laughs) Hallelujah. Why don't we look up here just for the next one for the sake of time. Look what Paul said in Acts chapter 18. In verse 5, Paul was, look, look what he says. He says, when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, it says, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. That word pressed there, it means compelled or arrested. Compelled or arrested. Notice, Paul on his, on his journey, he didn't wait to see a lightning bolt before he started preaching. He was waiting for the timing of God. And all of a sudden, Paul said, man, I feel pressed in the spirit. I just feel pressed. I feel compelled and arrested that now's the time to preach to these people. And he did. So now the spirit will bear witness. It'll compel you. It'll arrest you, right? It'll just stop you. I mean, there's so many times. You ever just get compelled on the inside? You ever get compelled? I mean, this happens with me and my giving. I'll just get compelled. Just get compelled. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. The fourth way that the inward witness will show up is of peace. Let me bring up Colossians 3.15 in the Amplified. Listen to Colossians 3.15 in the Amplified. It says, And let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, let it rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with all finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ, one body, you are also called to live and be thankful and appreciative, giving praise to God always. Let peace rule in your heart or your spirit like an umpire. I love that. Aren't you glad you always have an umpire on the inside of you? He's always with you. He's always there. What does an umpire tell you? He tells you if you're safe or if you're out. That umpire will tell you, hey, you're out here. You're, you're, you're out of step. You're out of the flow. You're out of the will of God. This is, this is not safe. This is not a good place to be. But that umpire will tell you, hey, you're safe. 
this is good, this is peace, this is, this is where I have for you. That umpire, aren't you glad? Listen to the umpire on the inside. Listen to that witness-bearing conscience. Listen for that compelling. Sense and, and, and perceive that wind over that hot coal. And the fifth thing, we'll end right here. Go to Acts chapter 9 and we'll stop right here. I know I said I was fixing to close like 20 minutes ago. But I just said that to get another 20 minutes out of you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just teaching you. See, this is where people shipwreck their faith. Because they fail to hear and to understand. Do you know there's a lot of people, when you just try to read the Bible alone, the Bible is general instruction, right? The, the, the voice of the Spirit in your spirit is the specific, right? It is that personal part of your life, right? It's like this. What if you decided to attend a university and you show up and they say, okay, what are you here for? And you just say, just the, just, I'm just here to attend college in general. Okay, well, let's start you off on some general courses. And they start you off, and you could start on some general courses, right? But after a year goes by, and two years goes by, they say, okay, you've taken a bunch of general courses. Now it's time to get you into your specialty. And what if you said, no, 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 I'm just, I'm happy with this general course of study. And then you take another year, two years, and you still have no degree, even though you've been there four years, and you still go on five, six years, because you've only taken general courses. You will never have, you will never be a master of anything. You will never get into a specific, special place. You'll never have any direction. That's what a lot of Christians are doing. I read my Bible, I read my Bible, I read my Bible. But yeah, are you hearing the voice of God from heaven in your spirit? Because until you do, you are just like that aimless college student that's just taking general courses year after year and you never fell into your specialty or your specific program. You need this. Now let's go to Acts 9 and let's read the first... Six verses here. Saul of Tarsus, you remember this gentleman. He is the man that became the Apostle Paul. And Saul of Tarsus, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Think about what was in this man's heart. He was breathing out threatenings of slaughter. His heart was to kill Christians. That's who, that's who the Apostle Paul was. And then isn't it amazing how God used that same man to say, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. All things are of God. This is what he used to do, and he could say that freely. He could say it freely. <laughs> anyway, that's free, no charge. Verse 2, and he desired of him, the high priest, letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he, be, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound or handcuffed to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecutest. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Rise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what you must do. Now, of course, you remember the rest of the story, that he got knocked off his horse. He was blinded by the light. 
and he didn't receive his sight for another three days. That is so impressive to me. Here the Lord shows up, it blinds him, and he's still willing to serve God. So many people, they won't even come to church if they don't get their seat they're used to. I don't like that music. I don't like that song. I don't like, uh-oh. The Kleenexes are out again. But I mean, think about that. Uh, I, you know, people won't even stay faithful to their church if the music team does the wrong song. Wrong to them, you understand. They won't stay faithful to the tithe if there's a pair of jeans that they want. People won't stay faithful to, to, to church attendance. They won't stay faithful in prayer because of their favorite TV show. There's no doubt there's people that are, are sitting home right now that should be in these seats that are watching some godless thing. You know what I mean? And, and they, they, they could have been, and they should have been here. And yet here, he has a visitation of the Lord and knocks him off his horse. He doesn't see anything. He has to be led into the city and he says, Lord, what will you have me to do? Yeah. He said that, Lord, what will you have me to do? Even though Paul was willing to serve Jesus, even if it meant him being blind the rest of his life. It looked like serving Jesus subtracted from him. It looked like he lost something good. It's the same way when you accept Christ, you get on fire for God. There's things at first that look like they've got to go. They've got to fall out of your life. At first, you might lose a few friends. You might have to separate yourself from a few, from a few associations. You might have to separate yourself from, you know, uh, some stuff that's just going to hold you back or whatever. But look at this man. He had an encounter with Jesus. It looked like it did harm to him. It looked that way. People could have argued that, but he knew. And guess what, guess what reversed that blindness? Obedience. Obedience. But anyway, that's not what I'm teaching on here, but it's good anyhow. But look at verse 5. He says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Notice Jesus didn't say, I'm Jesus and you're persecuting my people. He said, I am Jesus, you are persecuting me. When you talk against a believer, you're talking about Christ. Just so you know that. Anyway, he says, it's hard for you, Saul of Tarsus, to kick against the pricks. Or if you have a more modern translation of the Bible, it says goads. How many of you have the word goads in your Bible? Several of you. Do you know what a goad is? Not a goat, but a goad. Some of you do. Uh, a goad is a, a shepherd's tool. And what a goad is, is it's this tool. It's typically about the length, of, like if a person would have their own custom-made goad, it would be about as tall as if their arm was fully extended and they were leaning on this staff-like apparatus. And except it wasn't like a cane. At the top of it, it had a big, heavy ball or a square or a block of wood. And then the, the, the goad, it would then taper down as it got closer to the ground and it would come to a very fine or sharp point. And what they would do with that goad, if there was an animal that was being stubborn and kicking, you know, rearing its hind legs. Have you ever seen a horse or a mule or something? When they get upset, they'll start, you know, I know I'm doing a great illustration up here. <laughs> and what they would do, if you, were, if you were that shepherd, if you owned that animal, if that thing got real stubborn, you just hold out that goad. And as they kick their back legs, that real sharp point would start sticking that animal a little bit like a spur. 
And that animal would feel that pain, and it would obviously, intelligently, stop kicking, and the stubbornness would get driven out of that animal with that goad. That's what Jesus is telling here to, to Saul of Tarsus. Notice this, getting knocked off the horse and bl being blinded by the light, it was not necessary. That was not Jesus' first attempt to get a hold of Saul of Tarsus. He had been pricking his heart. He had been pricking him, and Saul of Tarsus was stubborn and stubborn and stubborn and stubborn. And Jesus said, it's so hard for you to keep kicking against these pricks, Saul. One way or another, I'm going to get a hold of you. Right? And so notice before the, the, the blinding of the light and the falling to the earth, there was the pricks. This is the fifth thing that the inward witness will do. It will prick your heart. It'll prick your conscience. There'll just be something on the inside of you that'll just give a, a prick on the inside of you. And in this case, it's referring to correction. Now notice the correction here. It didn't need to get this ugly. It didn't need to go to that point. Now remember, Paul's a Pharisee. He's dressed better than any of all of us put together. You remember the Pharisees and the pride they had when he's on this horse on the way to Damascus, he is dressed to the nines. He is wearing his phylacteries. He's got all this, this special stuff. He was a doctor in the law. He was the, the, he was the creme, creme de la creme of society in that, in that time. It was, I mean, these Pharisees were taught that if your hands get dirty, there's something wrong with you. Meaning that they were, they were I don't even so much as get my hands dirty. Jesus knocks him off his horse sets him in the dust. He's lying there in the dirt with all of his pretty little clothes, all dirty. And, 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 and you know, his, his eyes, he lost his eyesight. Why? Because he had failed to receive the correction, the prick in the heart. There, it didn't have to get that ugly. It didn't have to go to that point. Let me show you this in the Word. You ready for a little, little tangent here? Here's the fifth thing is what I'm talking about, the prick of the, the Holy Ghost on the inside. Go with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. My goodness, I thought I'd be out of here 20 minutes ago. Go to 1 Corinthians 11 and start in verse 27 where Paul's talking about the communion of the Lord. Correction didn't need to go that far. It didn't need to, he didn't have to go, get to that point. It was not necessary. Look at this. I'll just show you just another example in the word where correction does not have to get ugly. Verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread, drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. Aren't you glad? God gives you the opportunity. Just examine yourself. Well, how do you examine yourself? Get down in there in your spirit. Listen for the voice of God. Check your conscience. Make sure you, you haven't offended God or man. He says, but let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, or condemnation or judgment, not discerning the Lord's body for this cause. Everyone say, for this cause. For this cause. Many are weak, sickly among you, and many sleep. Now, the sleep that he's talking about there is not your afternoon nap. He's talking about dying prematurely. He's talking about the levels of judgment that fall on believers because they do not conduct themselves correctly in the Lord's body. They're not connected correctly in the body. He said, for this cause, many are weak. 
what did he say would have prevented the weakness? Examine yourself. They didn't have to be weak. Right? Notice the next step. They're weak and then sickly. That means sick and diseased. Didn't need to get to that point, did it? Because they could have examined themselves like verse 28 told them to do. And then ultimately, many die prematurely. Because, you know, there's people, they get into that weak, they'll move into, into weakness, they'll start to, uh, uh, weakness will start to creep in, and they don't examine themselves the way they should. They never realized that, that they needed to, to inspect their spiritual condition. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then they go to, to the next point. It didn't need to get that ugly. It could have all been prevented. Just like with Saul of Tarsus, he didn't, I mean, God forbid that we're going to have to get knocked off our horse, laying in the dust, before we realize and understand that we got to examine ourselves and we have to get spirit conscious, where we start listening on the inside and start being, you know, and stop being trapped in our carnality and stop trying to find uh, an outward answer for an inward speaking God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. See, the correction, the, the, the judgment, it didn't need to go that far. If you will listen to your conscience, if it seems good to you, if you will do what the Spirit compels you to do, if you'll listen to that inward leading and that inward divine intuition, amen, if you'll listen to that, that prick in your heart, right? Glory to God. It'll spare you. What did, what did the Lord, the Lord appeared to Brother Hagin, September 2nd, 1950, in Rockwall, Texas. And uh, uh, I believe, no, Reverend Joel, correct me if I'm wrong, if this is not the right vision that the Lord said this to him. But the Lord said to him, he said, if my people would learn to listen to my spirit, I would make them rich. Reverend Joel, is that correct? I want you to judge that. Is that it wasn't that vision? It was 62 vision. I was off by 12 years. So that's what's good to have this man of God with us here tonight. Amen. But is that, is that correct in what he said? That's what the Lord said to Brother Hagin. He said, I don't mind my people being wealthy. I mind them being covetous. What was the Lord telling him? He's saying, listen, my people would, would, would have greater provision. My people would be better supplied if they will learn to listen to that inward witness. Hallelujah. God has got good things for you. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. What does Proverbs 10.22 say? The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Wouldn't you want a full supply with every need met with no sorrow? No sorrow. Glory to God. That's what God has for you. But where are you going to find that place? I'll tell you what, you've got to be led. Even when the Spirit seems to lead you in ways that almost seem like a demotion. Ever had that happen to you? Where the Spirit of God will speak to you and you're like, oh my goodness, that doesn't look like promotion. That seems like demotion. I rebuke you. You, know? you start feeling like, oh, that, that must be the devil. No. You can listen to the Spirit of God sometimes will lead you in a way that seems like demotion. I remember uh, my wife and I, we had an opportunity. Uh, she had some job offers and things. And, and uh, uh, I mean, we were at a, at a place where we could have made a very large salary for, for this uh, sector of the state, you know. 
and it was looking real good, but God spoke to us out in, uh, at Fresh Oil meeting back in June of 2007. The Lord spoke to Katie and I both separately and said, children are on the way. When children come, she is to stay home and raise the children. We went from having a potential uh, income of well over six figures to an income of less than a quarter of that. That was our choices. And I was like, my goodness, if we obey that, look at all this that we're going to lose. You know, and, and we started getting tempted. Well, you know, just we need a job, and we've got to be able to have, got to pay our bills and all that. And we said, wait a minute, what are we talking about? Are we honestly sitting here considering disobeying God over natural things? What's more important to you? Spiritual things or natural things? Spiritual things got to be more important to you. And we obeyed, and it looked like decrease for a while. But I'll tell you, maybe even to this day, our, our income isn't what, what it could have been. But I'll, I'll tell you what, we are happy. Yeah. Our joy is full. We have a marriage that is heaven on earth. We have blessed, strong, healthy children that love God. There are things that you have to understand. Prosperity is, a, it is when God prospers you across the board. People say they hear prosperity and they start thinking about money. No, no, money is just one part of that. Prosperity is across the board. He's gonna, when God prospers you, your marriage is going to prosper. Your finances are going to prosper. Your, your relationship with God is going to prosper. Your children are going to prosper. Your home is going to prosper. Everything you have will be blessed when God prospers you. Amen. But it all came from obedience. Your prosperity is always connected to your obedience. Oh, I, so I, I just I get things in my spirit about different places in the Word. Remember back there in Judges chapter 7, I talked about this before, but we're going to talk about it again. Remember how Gideon was facing the, the Midianites? And remember how the Midianites were a super strong army? And God said, okay, call yourself together an army. And Mid, uh, Gideon got 32,000 men together. And God said, now, look amongst those men. Ask them, anyone that's afraid, tell them to leave. Remember, 22,000 were subtracted from his army because of fear. Two-thirds of God's people that day disqualified because they were afraid. Right? Right? And then there was 10,000 men left. And God said, I will yet test this 10,000 that remain. He said, when they go down to the water, those that get down and lap up the water like a dog, they will be part of your army. Meaning God spoke to the hearts of 10,000 men and said, you know what? When you go down there in front of your general Gideon, drink the water like a dog. And 10,000 of them heard that, that, that instruction in their heart. What? And only 300 drank water like a dog. 9,700 men were too dignified to follow an unusual leading in their heart. When God speaks to you and it's unusual, oh dear, <laughs> how he's done that. When he speaks to you and it's unusual, obey. And then God told Gideon, he said, now these are the men that are ready for battle. Yeah, you had 32,000 to start with. Fear subtracted 22,000. And a lack of being led subtracted the other 9,700. 
300 out of 32,000, that is less than 1%, were actually willing to do anything that God said. Because not only were they willing to drink water like a dog, they were willing to go against tens of thousands of men with 300. So you need to ask yourself, will I be the one that will listen and hear and follow God in my spirit regardless of how unusual and inconvenient it is? What are you going to be? You're going to be one of the 300 or one of the 32,000, right? My goodness. So those are, those are the ways that the still small voice will show up. The inward witness. Your conscience bearing witness, it'll seem good. You'll be pressed in your spirit, compelled, peace, in the pricks or the goads. Amen. Did you get something out of this tonight? Yeah. Hallelujah. Probably could have broken that down and preached half of that next week. <laughs> Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we love you and praise you. Father, we glorify you. We magnify you. You're so good, so good, so good. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Hallelujah. Pastor Joel, or Reverend Joel, do you happen to have a song here that, uh, that you could pull on there? Can we go ahead and get this microphone on? Let's just go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll pray here in a moment. Reverend Joel's going to minister again for us here. What to do? 
something tells me don't go Or in a different direction I'm pulled Well I won't override I'll just follow my guide Cause I'm led by the Spirit of God here. Well, I'm just, uh, I just know that when, when folks come to, to family church and, and they minister in our midst, it's right for us to be a blessing to them. So tonight what we're going to do, we usually take up tithes and offerings uh, here on Wednesday night. What we're going to do is we're going to put all offerings uh, in the direction of Reverend Joel Siegel here tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to be a blessing. Now, if you, for some reason, if you've brought a tithe, you know, uh, we know sometimes on Wednesday nights you do have a tithe. If you, if you did bring a tithe, Go ahead, just mark that on the envelope. Go ahead, just write tithe in big letters. Circle that. Uh, uh, the folks in the back, they will, they will separate that. Uh, but we're going to take up an offering. All offerings, uh, you can go ahead and fill out a, a, an offering envelope. If you're making out checks, still make them out to Family Church. We'll then just uh, cut Reverend Joel just one check at the end of the night tonight and, and be a blessing. Amen. You know, when, when, when ministers come, you know, to, to our church, they got to leave blessed. Amen. We just want to have uh, uh, that standing before God where we say, we always, we just seek to take care of your men and your women that you've called and anointed that, uh, to bless our lives. And I'll tell you what, uh, the anointing on, on Reverend Joel and, and, and uh, his wife, uh, Pastor Amy, just uh, tremendous, uh, just awesome. Hey, if you don't have any of their CDs, we have them for sale out there in our narthex. Uh, they're, they're, they're out there all the time, not just because... Uh, Reverend Joel's here, but they're out there all the time. Uh, these, are, these are CDs that I have in my car. I'm constantly listening. If you notice tonight, I mean, I can sing every word of every song he's up here singing because I listen all the time. Uh, I've even sent text messages to Reverend Joel. I'll tell you what, I'll say this about uh, uh, your music, Reverend Joel, and you and Pastor Amy. Um, I'll tell you what, it is the most unique Holy Ghost music, I believe, that's anywhere and I, I would say this way, it's a generation ahead of its time in terms of what God is doing in this earth. And, and that it is music for this era of miracle signs and wonders. Uh, absolutely. I mean, where else, do you, where else are you going to find Christian music that talks about praying in other tongues, laying on the floor under the power of God? 
where else are you going to, you know, uh, uh, yeah, here, here, uh, yeah. Where else, I mean, you're not going to get it on Family Life Network. You know what I mean? You're not going to hear songs about drinking up this new wine. And, and uh, uh, I mean, we, we, we need that stuff. Because, I mean, it's music that talks about the power of God. And you, of course, you hear, we have it playing in our background on Sunday mornings. We use it for our prayer meeting and, and things like that. I've texted uh, Reverend Joel on the way to do Ask the Pastor. And I'll, I'll put that in as I get close to Buffalo and just start getting, you know, primed up. And uh, uh, there was uh, one time in particular, I mean, I'm driving down the road and the anointing, it was on, uh, I forget which specific disc, but it was New Phase, the song you sang tonight, and the song right before it uh, on the disc. Uh, <laughs> yes, that one. Amen. And, I mean, the anointing was so strong in the car. I mean, I started just getting about, about hooched in the Holy Ghost, and I'm trying to drive... And it was just so, so wonderful. So if you don't have uh, uh, their CDs, you need to get that into your repertoire. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, you're ready to give here tonight. Hallelujah. Again, if you're giving, it doesn't matter what color envelope, but if it is a tithe, just make sure you mark that boldly and clearly, and we'll make sure that goes to the local church. Everything else is going to be a blessing to Reverend Joel and his ministry. Amen. Father God, we love you. Let's stand to our feet. Let's just rejoice as we give. Father, we're just glad to give tonight. Father, we are joyful givers. And Father, every time we give, we are saying you're our provider. You increase us. You multiply our seed sown. You give bread to the eater, seed to the sower. Father, we thank you for it. Father, we thank you that you've provided all of our, our homes, our job, our, our food, our clothing. And Father, you prosper us. The blessing of the Lord is upon us. You have made us rich. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. And Father, we thank you tonight. We pray and we release our faith for Reverend Joel and Pastor Amy. Father, we say that everything you've called to do, called them to do is well furnished. Father, it's well supplied. It's completely paid in full. And Father, we release our faith. We say they have everything they need to carry out the plan of God in their lives. And Father, we bless, we sow seed. And we, Lord, we know that when we sow a seed into good ground, we expect a harvest. Let's all say it together. But my God, my God shall, supply shall supply all my needs, all my needs according to his riches and glory. His riches. By Christ Jesus, by Christ the Jesus. Lord is my shepherd. Is my shepherd. I, shall I shall not lack as I sow seed, I sow seed. into good ground. Good harvest comes. Harvest. I expect a harvest expect in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. No, come on up. Praise God. Praise God. Well, thank you so much. We're, we're very, very honored. It's been so good to be with you. I asked the pastor and I talked before. I thought it, you can have a seat if you want. I'm, I'm not going to take but 30 seconds here. Oh, but I thought that. you might want to know where, where your offering's going and, and yeah. what we're doing in ministry now. Many, many of you know that we've left the western New York region, and, and it wasn't because we didn't love you. And like <laughs> we, we do love this area still. And the Lord dealt with us to get to Tulsa. All, every one of these things is a story that'll wait till another time. But uh, we, we're in Tulsa, and we of course assumed that that would be our, our new uh, home forever and ever. But uh, the longer we, we stayed there, we realized that it was just a step uh, in a destination. And uh, to make a real long story short, the Lord led us to a town to, that we've never heard of before. Uh, but now we've taken a trip there, and we've been there once. But uh, we're going to base our, be basing our ministry in the town of Castle Rock, Colorado. And uh, you might say, what's there? Well, we're going to be there. <laughs> and uh, that'll let me, the Lord has, has given me an assignment to go 
and travel and, and impart some things to the body of Christ. Well, that'll let me travel out of the Denver airport, which is really good for non-stops and all that. But the Lord's dealt with us also to, to get a team together. We're going to raise up a church there. My wife is, is very skilled, and uh, really anytime she'd preach, and I'm sure it's the same way here, everybody wanted to vote me out and vote her in as the, the senior pastor. And uh, so we, we do already have a team, uh, some some that are coming with us to do that. So just want to let you know. And, of course, if you know anybody out in that area, why well, well, let them know. Tell them to get ready uh, out in Colorado there. It's about 30 miles south of Denver. And then the other thing is if you, go, uh, if you want to bless me, go to our Facebook page for Faith Church Colorado and like us, and it will make me feel popular. So I appreciate <laughs> it. It's been good to be with you. Bless you guys. God. God, it's awesome to... To, to uh, hear and see what, what God's doing in the lives of these, these folks. Amen. Folks, we so much appreciate you. We so much love you. Folks, we're just, uh, I just know this church is, is moving into uh, a new phase of ministry, a whole new level. And uh, just get ready, you know, and, and, and stay faithful. Ditch the distractions. I've seen, you know, folks just, just come and, and come and go, and, and they'll, they'll come, and they'll be real excited. Folks, just know this, that there is sometimes when Christianity and your faithfulness, it doesn't feel like novelty, you know? You don't serve Christ out of novelty. You serve Christ with endurance and, and perseverance and love, and it keeps you going. Amen. And I look at this group, and you're the group that's doing that. Amen. We love you. God bless you. You're dismissed.